for hanging out with us today on the Ascent Church Podcast. We're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Thomas Lane. We hope this encourages you and meets you exactly where you are. Whatever battle you are fighting, know that you are not alone and we're all in this together. Here's today's message. We're concluding a series today, and I know it's a weird time to end anything because this is all so new, but we've been preaching through this series on Gideon. It's a faith building series in this book called Judges. And we should have concluded it. It would have been the responsible thing to do to conclude it weeks ago, but I wanted to conclude it in person. I just felt like I had to be looking at you and we needed to talk and we we needed to worship together in order to share this text. So we're going to go to Judges chapter 7, but let me give you a little brief context beforehand because you may be like, dude, I got so much going on. What do I have anything to do with the book of Judges. It's thousands of years ago. I'm not a Middle Easterner who lived in, who lived in this land thousands of years ago. Well, God's people were in a time of political uncertainty, turmoil, frustration, confusion. There was a lot of things up in the air. There was this group called the Midianites, okay? The Midianites came to town and they took over the land. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of uncertainty. People were, ironically, afraid to leave their houses, all right? They were afraid to go to work and leave their houses. So I think we might be able to relate just a little bit. God had done so much through Gideon, and Gideon, you got to know, he was like the weakest of them all. He had, he was small. He was weak. He had a lot of doubts. Um, he, He was the most unlikely person that God could select, but he selected him. And this is kind of the conclusion, the, the climax, if you will. It's all been leading up to this big battle. God has been leading Gideon. Gideon amasses this army, and they're ready to fight. Judges 7, verse 8. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up. Somebody say, Get up. Go down. Somebody say, Go down against the camp. You're, you're getting there because I'm going to give it into your hands. So the battle's coming, right? The battle's coming, and God says, listen, all right, man, get up, go down to the Midianites. I'm going to give the camp into your hands. It's yours. I'm going to give you the victory. I'm going to give you the win, and that is an encouraging thing. Amen. Could you imagine the night before a job interview if God's like, hey, I'm going to give this into your hands, right? Right? That's a pretty good feeling. That's a good vibe. I don't know what a first date has been like these last four months, but imagine if the night before the first date, God's like, it's going to be great. She's going to call you back. That's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. That's what God is saying. That's where we're at. But what I want you to note in verse 10 is look at the compassion of our God. Look at the patience of our God. Verse 10, if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pora. Somebody say Pora. Now, Pora is important. We're going to get to Pora in just a little bit. But just so you know, just so you're aware, just so you've kind of been with us, is this is crazy. God has given this man um, multiple signs. He's given him miracles. God has been patient with him. He's done so much. But God is so kind, so tenderhearted, so compassionate. God says, if you're still a little afraid, I know I gave you an army, but if you're still a little afraid, I want to encourage you. You see, I grew up, and maybe you still feel this way a little bit, but it was almost like if you had a doubt or a question or a mistake that God was just going to get you. Like he was mad right on. Like it just wasn't okay to be like, I need some encouragement or I have some questions. I've, I've seen the bumper sticker. Maybe you've seen it too. And I got to do it in my country voice. 
pardon me, but the bumper sticker is what I thought faith was like. And it essentially says, God said it, the Bible recorded it, and I believe it. You have to spit at the end or it doesn't quite work. And that's what I thought faith was. No doubts, no questions, no, God, can you, can you help me with this? I have some hesitations. I don't know how this works. That is not how our God is. He's so tenderhearted. He's so compassionate. I used to think God essentially said, trust me, darn it. And if I had a question or a doubt that I would get struck down, but God is so compassionate and tenderhearted. And look what he does. Gideon, Gideon's going to this thing. God says, I'm not going to send you alone. He says, you're going to take a servant. You're going to take Pora with you. Say it again. Say Pora. There you go. He's very important. We'll get to him later. Listen, I don't know if you realize this, but church means assembly. It means gathering. And I know we've been saying we're doing online church, and you've been with your family or with your small group or with your squad, your girl squad. That's great. I'm glad. But the end goal will always be this. Just look around for a second. Being together. That's the goal. And that's what we have to press forward on. God says you cannot do this alone. You need somebody to come with you. Verse 11, he says, go down to the camp with your servant, Porah, and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. Now, this is a new tactic. I've never heard this before. God is saying, you may be afraid, Joey. You may be intimidated. Um, you know what I would have expected God to say? Listen to K-Love 24-7. Like every station on the radio. I got six dials. K-Love, K-Love, K-Love. All of them are K-Love. That's what I, what I would expect. I would expect God to be like, oh, are you afraid? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read all of them. That's all you can do. Binge watch podcasts. Binge watch YouTube. Just cram as much of my word into your brain as possible. And spending time with the word of God is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. And I think that's what we would expect here. God to say, hey. Spend some time with me, listen to me. And God has been speaking to him, but he says the opposite. He said, go down to the camp, listen to what the enemy is saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack them. I came to tell you this. This sounds counterintuitive. Follow me. If you need encouragement, eavesdrop on the enemy. Let me say that again, and I'm going to explain myself. If you need encouragement, eavesdrop on the enemy. Now, when I say enemy, there may not be thousands of Midianites down the streets that you can tiptoe. This is how I'd walk. Is that weird? That you can tiptoe up to and listen in. But when I say the enemy, the enemy may be the devil himself whispering things to you. It could be anxiety. It could be those what ifs. It could be those fears, those dreads, the inner critic, your past. What are those things going on in your brain? Listen, if you need encouragement, eavesdrop in the enemy. Listen, the enemy is so focused on you because the enemy knows what you're capable of. Let me say that again. The enemy is so focused on you because the enemy knows what you're capable of, that you are an image bearer of the living God. And if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit, he himself dwells within you. That's why the enemy's been so focused on you. That's why things have been so challenging. That's why things have been so hard on your marriage, on your finances, on your mental health. That's why it's been such a struggle this season. The enemy is so focused on you because he knows what you are capable of. God said to him, if you need encouragement, eavesdrop on the enemy. Just listen, say, why, why, is, why is the devil keep coming at my marriage? Why? Well, maybe because God knows all the potential it has in it. Why does the enemy keep coming at my kids? 
Why does he keep doing that? Because the enemy knows the potential that your children have, that they are world changers. If you need encouragement, eavesdrop on the enemy. Follow me to verse 13. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. So let me give you just, don't forget where we are. The Midianites are camped. Okay, Gideon and Porah, they sneak up, they listen in, and this is what happens. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. Does anybody else dream about carbs? Hey Amen. One, one guy in the back like, woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't pick barley bread. I would pick warm, sweet Texas Roadhouse rolls. Can I get an amen from someone in the back? Now, what's your bread? What's your carb of choice? Let me hear you. Baked potatoes. That sounds good. Somebody said cheddar, those little cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster, maybe Olive Garden, the breadsticks. Is anyone from North Carolina? <laughs> oh, I miss preaching to actual people. He just say, yeah. Do y'all know Biscuitville? It's good. If you've been to North Carolina, if you've driven through North Carolina, if it's in the morning, if you're hungry, you're going to drive through and see 89 signs for Biscuitville. And one day you're going to be like a boy and say, what on earth is Biscuitville? And then you'll never forget Biscuitville again. That's what I would be dreaming about. That's what I'd be dreaming about. But I got to get back to the text because I've distracted myself and all of us in the room. The guy, the Midianite, the enemy had a dream that barley bread came tumbling into the camp. This is what it did. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend, another Midianite, responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp, somebody say whole camp, there you go, into his hands. So just so you know, Gideon tiptoes down, he's leaning in, and he hears the Midianites talking about him. Remember, listen, if you need encouragement, eavesdrop on the enemy. And I wish, so to speak, that I could tiptoe down and hear what the enemy's saying about you. I wish I could do that. And just for a second, just listen what he's saying about you. Because I think I know what he's saying. I think the enemy's saying, she is an image bearer of the living God. I think the enemy's saying, if he just continues on this path, so many doors are going to open for him. If he just says yes to this thing that God put in front of him, he's going to actually give his life to Jesus. Things are going to absolutely change. That's what I think the enemy's saying about you. I think the enemy's saying about you that you're on the cusp of something great. That you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That you have everything you need for life and godliness through his divine power. That is what I think the enemy is saying about you. Listen to me. If the enemy is attacking your faith, it's because he knows your faith can move mountains. I hope something's clicking for somebody. If the enemy is attacking your peace, it's because he knows you're capable of changing the world. If, if the enemy is attacking your relationships or your marriage or your kids or your jobs or your joy, it's because the enemy knows you are on the cusp of something great that will absolutely change the world. I came to announce you are the devil's worst nightmare because the devil can't sleep at night. He's tossing, he's turning, he's having bad dreams, and he's dreaming about you. The Midianites couldn't sleep. 
Now, Gideon probably didn't think that. Gideon probably looked at them and said, they seem pretty strong. They got better weapons. Their army's bigger. I don't quite know. I'm not quite sure about this. But when Gideon got closer, he realized they're, they're intimidated. The enemy knows that if God is beside it, if God is present, if God is in the battle, not only will God lead His people to victory, but God ensures the victory. Listen, if you need encouragement, eavesdrop on the head. I know this is weird, but I, I just want you to, it's easy to sit in church and be like, okay, that's cool. But like, let's personalize this. Like, what is that for you? What does the enemy keep attacking in your life? And why is he doing so? Why is it a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Why is your marriage a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Why are your finances a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Why, why is, if the enemy keeps trying to pull you off of quiet time and spending time in the Word and, and getting in a group, why, why does the enemy keep doing that? What's he trying to prevent? If you need encouragement, eavesdrop on the enemy. He sees your potential. He knows now is the time to slow you down. Follow me, verse 15. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and he worshipped. Now, that's not how I respond when I'm in like a spiritual battle, right? You may say like I do, I'm like, God, why do I got to deal with this? Like right now, our church, we're looking for our first permanent home. We're moving. We're doing all this stuff. It's like, it's like God, can I just have a break? Can I just have a break? But the enemy seems to turn things up, doesn't he? When Gideon heard this, he bowed down and worshipped. He didn't say, why me? Why this? Why now? He said, thank you, God, that you're with me, that I'm going to need you in this, and that you have already promised me the victory. That's what he's saying. We need to have a mindset shift because ironically, oftentimes, God and the enemy are saying the exact same thing. Just the devil twists it. Listen, the devil is a liar, is he not? One person now. But listen to me. You can't lie unless you know the truth. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. You cannot twist the truth. You cannot lie unless you know the truth. The devil is full well, the enemy is full well of what you're capable of. Of what would happen if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He is very, very intimate and familiar with this. Now, for example, I don't know if you saw it in the text, but... God, at the beginning of the series, God said to Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. Gideon didn't think so. Well, the enemy thinks so. I don't know if you caught it. i got to go back in my notes. In verse 8, God says, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. In verse 14, from the mouth of the enemy, they say, God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. They're literally saying the same thing. It would be like this in your life. God looks at you and says, you have so much potential. You could do so much for the kingdom to be the light of the world. You have so much potential. Now, the devil knows your potential, but he's not going to say, honey, you have potential. He's going to say, he's going to twist things and say you're a failure. He's going to say, because that thing you did five, ten years ago, God can't use you. God doesn't want you. You're damaged goods. But this is both coming from the truth that you are valuable in the eyes of God. Let's talk about kids. I believe God sees your children. And says, they have so much potential. They are world changers. The enemy knows that. He knows the world changers. He knows the potential in them. But rather than affirm that to you, he's going to twist it. He's going to make parenting as hard as possible. There's going to be blowouts all the time. There's going to be fights all the time. Parenting is hard, amen? 
My kids the other day, they were with my wife, Helen, and um, they visited my parents in Yorktown. And they were there all day, and I missed my kids. I missed them. And I was at work all day, and then I got home. They got home at like 7, 7.30. Um, my wife was home with the two boys, and I went outside, and I was so excited to see him. My four-year-old was asleep. My two-year-old, he, he, was, he was awake. And I saw him, he was kicking. And I was like, maybe he doesn't know where he was. He hadn't seen me in a day. And so I opened the door. His name's Dempsey. He's super cute. I said, hey, Dempsey, it's Daddy. And he looked at me like this. And I said, you're home now, Dempsey. And why don't you come with Daddy? And we'll go inside, and we'll put on our PJs, and we'll get cozy, and we'll have a story, and we'll, we'll read the Bible, and we'll pray, and we'll, we'll get in our cozy bed and go to sleep. How's that sound, Dempsey? And he looked at me, and he said, get away from me. I said, well, come on, man. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. My, my kids are in the, the 9 a.m. A-team service, and they scream the whole time. It's hard. Follow me. Gideon, he returned to the camp of Israel and called out. He said, get up. I love that's what God said to him. Get up. And now he's telling it to his people. Get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Here's the plan. 16, dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. I feel pressed to ask you one more time because maybe some of us haven't reached clarity. What is the enemy trying to stop? Now, I'm not saying every time things are hard in life, it's the devil. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I wanted a beach day, it's raining, it's that devil again. I'm not saying that. Every red light, it's the devil. I'm not saying that. But if there's something in your marriage or with your calling or with a step, I want you to identify it and isolate it right now. God has called you to something to bless others and to serve others and to glorify Him and the enemy's doing everything possible to stop it. You don't have to say it out loud, but find it in your brain. Identify it. Mark it. 19. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. It was dark. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hand and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon! While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. Here's what happened. The Midianites had a much larger army. They were camped here. They're probably getting ready for bed, probably asleep, hanging out. Gideon, it just took 300. 300 of them surrounded. They had these jars. They smashed them. They had torches lit, trumpets, and they made a loud noise. Where I come from, we call it a ruckus. My North Carolina boy in the back, wherever he is, he probably called it a ruckus too. They made a ruckus. They made a loud noise. And the Midianites, they turned and they fled. I came to tell you, the enemy is loud. But my God is louder. Let me say that again, because I still don't think we're used to being in church. We're getting there. But the enemy is loud. My God is louder. That's why I wanted to wait for us to be in person. So we can worship loud. So we can lift our hands. Because I know what the enemy's doing. He's whispering some stuff. He's gossiping some stuff. He's causing some anxiety and some dread and some fear, and some concern. He's, he's running around talking some stuff. But guess what? I can make some noise too. 
The enemy's running his mouth, but I can, I can make some noise too. I can spend time in the Word. I can declare God's promises over my life. I can, I can, I can listen to the podcast. I can blast YouTube. I can worship whenever I want. I can come to church. I can lift his name and I can glorify him when the enemy is loud. Know this. My God, he's louder. He's louder. I love that. I love that volume is the, the key to all this. It's all sounds. God says, you want encouragement? Listen. He said, you want to win? Shout. It's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. A sword is not used. You ever notice that? It didn't matter what his armor was. It didn't matter how much money he had. It didn't matter if he had doubts or questions. It was all volume. That's how God brought the victory. And it still is the same today. Verse 22. When the 300 trumpets sounded... The Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled. The enemy is loud. My God is louder. Listen, I understand your past is loud. But no, your God is louder. Your inner critic is loud. But believe me, your God is louder. That thought that won't get out of your head, that guilt, that thing is so loud. But your God is louder. If you leave here with one thing, I want you to know my enemy is loud. But my God, he's louder. Now, it's so good to be together. And I hope that today encourages you. And I hope it inspires you. But I just want to be real for a second. How long is it going to last? Like maybe an hour. Like maybe through Monday. Because some of y'all are like, I'm going to come to church. And then I'm fired up for the week. I'm ready to go, and I'm amped up. That's great, and I hope it lasts. But I think we need something else. If we come to church and just get inspired and go, there's so much more we're leaving on the table. I don't think that's what we're called to do. I shared with the crew earlier, but one in three people, the Barner Group did a study, one in three people who used to attend church before COVID have stopped altogether. One in three Maybe the online thing just wasn't for them or they couldn't figure it out. I think our people are hurting. I think our world is hungry. And now we can hear that and be super depressed or we could see it as there's more opportunity to love on people than ever before. And I choose to believe that. And maybe that's why God put us here. There's one thing I want to draw your attention to before we close. And it was that little line that's so overlooked. It was the servant, Pora. Somebody say Pora. My son has an action Bible. It's like a kid's Bible. And Pora wasn't even in it. <clears throat> Who cares? But it's fascinating, isn't it? God gave this dude. He gave him visions. He gave him miracles. God gave Gideon confirmations left and right. God gave Gideon so much. God gave him God's voice. God gave him an army. And you know what he said? He said, it's not enough. He said, you need this servant with you. You need this Pora with you. Now, Pora. That name is loaded. Doesn't mean Sam, Bill, or Joe. It's not just like, oh, okay, cool name. Pora means branch. And in the Old Testament, that is a loaded term. For God to look at him and say, you need a servant with you, you need a branch to come with you. Don't forget this. Gideon is in a dark place. He's about to fight a battle. He's about to fight death itself. And God says, you need a branch with you. The prophets spoke a lot about a branch. Listen, Isaiah 11 says this. This is a prophecy. It says, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, 
and a branch. Say it with me, branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength. The branch is a continuation of David's line. It's a messianic figure. It's Emmanuel, God with us. Jeremiah talked about the branch. Jeremiah 33, 15, it says, In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth, and he shall execute justice and righteousness on the earth. This is a kingly figure. This is a divine figure. Zechariah 3, 8, I'm going to bring my servant the branch, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. God told Gideon, hey, to fight this darkness, to fight this battle, to get through life, you can't do it alone. You need a servant, a branch. And I came to tell you, we need a branch as well. His name is Jesus Christ. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And God has shown us all along that yes, you can have a big army, that's okay. Yes, you can have this and that, encouragement. But what it's all about is when you walk into the darkness, when you walk into the storm, are you alone? And if you have Jesus Christ, then the answer is no. He promises never to leave you, never to forsake you. The gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed and doubtful than we'd ever believe. But at the exact same time, we are more loved and accepted and cherished in Jesus Christ than we could ever dare hope. Jesus See, we were lost. Jesus came to find us. We were broken. Jesus came to make us whole. We had wandered off. Jesus came to bring us back. That's what he did. That's what this branch did, this living thing, this thriving thing that came right from the line of David. That is what he came to do. And I came to ask you, is he in your life? You see, Jesus lived the life I should have lived. He died the death I should have died. He lived the life I should have lived, meaning a life in perfect obedience to God. That's the life I should have lived. He did it for me. Jesus died the death I should have died. I deserve to be separated from God and die, but Jesus took that penalty. He paid it for me so that I may have access to the Father. Do you have that in your life? Because some of you are trying to face the storm alone. You're trying to face the darkness alone. And God told Gideon, now I'm going to tell you, it's not enough. You need him. I want you to know you can have him today. It's an act of sheer grace. It's nothing you do to earn. It's already been earned for you. You just must invite him in, give him your life. Let's pray, and I'll give you the opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this message, and we'd love to stay connected. So make sure to click subscribe. We love to spread the word, and you can help take this message to others. Leaving a quick review, sharing it with someone, or connecting with us on social all make a huge difference. And a special thanks to you who give generously to make this ministry possible. And if God is calling you to partner with us, visit us at ascentchurch.net. We love you and know that you are not alone.